Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to be with you today. I want to welcome all of those joining us online. Interact with your online chat host. Don't be a stranger online. Before we dive into this new series entitled This Is Your Year, I just want to celebrate. There's a lot of things to celebrate. But on Christmas Eve, our Christmas Eve offering, we said 100% of what is given goes out. And we had three different nonprofits we partnered with. Isaiah's Place in the Troy area, Safe Haven in Piqua, and then the Alpha Community Center in Shelby County. And today, I just, I'm not good at like drum rolls and getting, I'm not the hype guy. I should have brought Jess up for that kind of stuff. But I just want to celebrate today that because of your generosity, if we could throw that slide up there, we raise, yes, 16,500 to each of those locations, 16,500 each. So do the math, 49,000, 49,000 came in. So one thing we're doing differently, instead of us just going and presenting them the check, we've, next Sunday, we've invited them to each location. So Isaiah's Place will come here and we will not only present to them, but we're going to pray over them. We're going to pray for them and for all the families and for the children. And in fact, if you want to talk to, to the executive director about serving and that, that gives you an opportunity too. So thank you. Thank you, thank you for being a church that does love well. And uh, just be praying too that it's not just the monetary amount, but that God uses that to shape children with Isaiah's Place and those who are coming for meals at Alpha Community Center and those struggling with mental health issues at Safe Haven. Just be praying as it comes to mind that God would not only take that money and make a difference, he would multiply it. And there would be thousands of thousands of lives that were impacted. So again, thank you. Thank you. So uh, this year at Christmas, one of the gifts that a family member gave to our children was a fishbowl. Fishbowl. They are no longer part of the family. But um, <laughs> so I found myself around lunchtime on New Year's Day at Meyer because, dad, we got the fishbowl ready. We got to go get fish, you know. So we go to Meyer, and uh, if you've ever been at the fish tank area of Meyer. It's in the, in the back. And uh, by the way, fish are expensive until I found the 25 cent ones. And so now they're two, they're nine and seven. So they, they didn't put it all together, but I was like, we can get three fish. We can get three. Cause it was like, the other ones are like seven or eight bucks, you know, and you know how long they're going to live, you know? And so we do have two out of three still left after a week. So that's impressive. But as I'm back there, and of course, you know, I'm making this, you know, like most of us saying, yeah, I'm going to eat clean this year. I'm going to try to, you know, limit the sugar and whatever. And if you've ever been at Meyer in the back area where the fish are, that's where they have their discounted pastry items. Okay. Just FYI. Okay. And this lady, who I think must have been sent by Satan, but um, she came and I, she, I over, she says to me, hey, we just set out some cakes here and there's a Snickers cake. And so I'm like, you know, and of course the kids hear it too, but I don't want to blame them because I'm the one more excited than they are. They're just there for the fish. Um, and I go and look at it and I'm like, it's a $20 Snickers cake for $2.50. No, God gives wisdom, doesn't he? That's what I'm thinking anyhow. I'm like, you know what, January 2nd, you know. So of course we take home the Snickers cake. Now one interesting, and three fish. 
one interesting thing, I was stoked. Like, I like Snickers, and then I like cake, and I'm like, you combine them. It's like whoever put peanut butter and chocolate together, they should have gotten a Nobel Prize. Like, if they didn't, shame on us. Okay? And, and so I go, I, of course, take out a decent-sized hunk of cake after giving it to the kids, and you know what? I was actually a little disappointed. It didn't taste quite as good, but it was $2.50, right? But you know what? I determined that this might not be my year for eating clean. I've just decided. It's January 7th. 2025 sounds like a great year to make those adjustments. This might not be my year, but this could be your year. And not about eating clean and that kind of stuff, but this could be your year. And that's what this series is about, the, the whole month of January. This is your year. Could this be the year that you finally get out of debt? Could this be the year that you finally start serving in the church and outside? Is this, could this be the year that you say yes to Alpha, which is starting in a few weeks? Could this be the year that you start reading your Bible? And by the way, we're reading Proverbs, and if you're not reading Proverbs, it's not too late. There's 31 of them. Today's the 7th. You can start on the 7th, or you can catch up. It really doesn't matter. We have cards for you as you leave if you didn't get one next, last week. We would love for all of you to participate. Could this be your year? Could this be your year that you really get serious about prayer? Could this be your year that you really get serious about Jesus? Could this be the year that for the very first time you say yes to Jesus? Could this be the year that you experience healing? Could this be the year that your marriage goes from just uh, to an unreal as you pursue God? Could this be the year? I want you to hold that question in your head for not only today, but throughout this series. What is it? For you this year. This could be it. Think about that. This could be it. Not just positive thinking. That doesn't get you very far. But this could be a year that everything changes. And what does that look like? How does that happen? Today we're going to be looking at uh, two different people in one story. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 14. And it's a long passage. I'm not going to read the entire passage because it's like 57 verses. That would test our endurance, okay, as far as me reading you listening. But I do have the page number up there. It's on page 223. And this is one, I always encourage you to grab your Bibles and follow along or the Bible app on your phone. This is one where I would definitely encourage you to grab those Bibles in your row. If there's not one in front of you, pass one down to someone in your row or get it out on your phone. Because here's the deal. I'm going to read a certain part of this passage, but because it's so long, I just can't cover it all. And I don't really care if while I'm talking today, you keep reading the rest of the passage uh, because it really all does go together. Now, before we talk about chapter 14, I want to give you a little bit of context that deals with chapter 13. There's two key players in this story, by the way. One is a guy by the name of Saul. He's the king of Israel at the time. And the other is his son by the name of Jonathan. Saul and Jonathan. Who are the two key players? Saul and Jonathan. Okay, we're all alive and well. In chapter 13, we see that Saul decides to take his 3,000 men and go fight the Philistines. Now, the Philistines had occupied that land, and God had said, drive them out. They were not following after God. In fact, they were doing very evil things, and God said, you need to purify the land. You need to drive them out. And so Saul takes it upon himself to go after them with his 3,000 men. But you got to understand, the Philistines were some of the mightiest warriors known at that time. They had 3,000 chariots, and it says that they had men as numerous as the sand on the seashore, which we know is, means quite a few of them. And they go and they attack them. This is in chapter 13. They go and attack them. 
they are outnumbered, they get beaten, or, and the guys start freaking out. And, and of course, Saul is disobeying God because God hasn't told him to do this. So you've got a whole mess of things going on. And then we're told that they run and hide in any cliff they can find, any crevice they can find. And in fact, so many of them run away, Saul's only left with 600 men. And not just that, we're also told that they, and I don't know why they totally did this, but they gave their weapons over the Philistines for the Philistines to sharpen them. I don't know if that was an act of surrender, or act of stupidity. I'm not quite sure all what was going on there. But we, we pick it up in chapter 14, and that's why I've got to give you a little bit of context, with 600 guys hiding in caves, hiding in any nook and cranny they could find. And there are only two people left with weapons, one being Saul and the other Jonathan. John, uh, chapter 14, verse 1 says this, one day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gabeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600, there we go, the 600 men, among whom was Halijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was a son of Ichabod's brother, they should just say John, Matthew, Mark, but anyhow, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. So, that's just telling us these were the spiritual leaders of the time. They will always be with you in battle. These were the spiritual leaders with Saul, who was the king and the military commander. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the path that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was Bozed and the other Sina. One cliff stood to the north towards Michmash, the other to the south towards Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, well, come then, we will go cross over towards the men and we'll let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. Again, why I give you context. The outpost, the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan his armor bearer, come up to us and we will teach you a lesson. <laughs> They're wanting to teach him a lesson, right? So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. There's a seismic contrast going on here. You have, again, two people, right? I mean, the armor bearer is a pretty cool guy too. Maybe we'll hit on him, hit, talk about him a little bit. But we have, we have Saul, who's the king and supposed to be the mighty warrior. And we have Jonathan, his young son. What is Saul doing right now? He's sitting under a pomegranate tree. What is Jonathan doing? Let's go see if God wants to do something. This is a story, I'm going to tell you right on the front end, this is a story and this is going to be a message today about faith. 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 Saul, under a pomegranate tree. Jonathan, no armor, got his, or very little armor, got this young armor bearer with him. And he says, maybe, maybe, maybe God wants to do something. 
You see, faith is living in outside that comfort zone. Faith is choosing to live in the zone of the unknown. The Bible tells us that faith without works is what? Dead. Tells us, talks about having the faith of a mustard seed. In fact, if you do a word study, and you can do this while I'm talking, if you want, I don't care. If you did a word study in the Bible of faith, you would see it splattered all over the place. This is a true story. This is a moment. Picture yourself in this moment. You have, again, Philistines, 3,000 chariots. You can read that for yourself in chapter 13. You have as many soldiers as sand of the seashore. They've already driven um, the Israelites back where they went from 3,000 to 600 of them. And Jonathan one day says, you know what? Maybe God will just do something. Maybe, just maybe. See, that's faith. Faith isn't that God's going to do it, but faith is maybe, just maybe, God might do something. This could be your year. This could be your year where you start living by faith. This could be your year that everything changes in the trajectory of your relationship with Jesus. Let's continue to see how this story then unfolds. Let's pick it up in verse 13. It says, Jonathan climbed up, using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan (laughs) and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Now we can read that and be like, wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. How many men were there? Thousands upon thousands of, it's almost like, well, yeah, that took a lot of faith to to go and and confront them. And man, you got 20, you only got about 50,000 left. Then verse 15, because when you and I take a step of faith, we never know what God's going to do. When you and I take a step of faith, we never know how God might show up. Then panic struck the whole army. Can you imagine? Again, that makes no sense. 20 of them out of thousands and thousands and thousands. They're in a panic now. Those in the camp and the field and those in the outposts and raiding parties and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by who? God. It was a panic sent by God. Verse 16, Saul's outlooks at Gibeah of Benjamin saw the army melting away in all directions. Then Saul said to the men who were with him, muster the forces and see who has left us. When they did, it was Jonathan and his armor bearer who were not there. I want to continue then in verse 20. It says, then Saul and all his men assembled and went to the battle. Who had the faith? Jonathan. When did Saul show up? After the battle had started. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines and had gone up with them to their camp went over to the Israelites who were Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on their run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. So the Lord rescued Israel that day and the battle moved on. Faith is one of the greatest powers of this world. When faith gets unleashed in our lives, when faith gets unleashed in this world, God does what only God can do. This, I chose this passage because it is total God, but it required someone to take action. 
So long I grew up thinking, well, faith is just something intellectual. Faith is just something I have to have. Faith is just something I muster up in my mind. Faith is just something. No, that's totally wrong. Faith is a verb. What's faith look like in your life right now? What step of faith have you taken in this past year? Would you stand up and share? No, just kidding. Okay. What step of faith have you taken in the last six months? Where do you sense God might be calling you right now to take a step of faith? It's the zone of the unknown. And in fact, if it doesn't scare you, that probably means you're not taking steps of faith. If it doesn't strike some fear in you, it probably means you're not taking a step of faith. If it doesn't make you want to be like Mark, would you just please be quiet and move on? And then <laughs> it's probably not a step of faith. In fact, Hebrews says it like this in Hebrews 11:6, And without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek them. We, let's leave that up there, please. Without faith, it is impossible. I looked that up. The New Testament's written in Greek. I looked that up in the Greek. You know what the word impossible means? Impossible. <laughs> it is impossible to please God. You might be here today, Mark. I, 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 think, I think faith is kind of like weak sauce. Like we have to have science behind it, Mark. We have to have facts behind it. Hey, by the way, you know, my, I have an undergrad degree in biology, so I'm all about science. I taught it for almost a decade. And there are a lot of things that can be backed up scientifically that we see in Scripture. And yes, I, don't, I think it's fine to have reason. I think reason's a gift God's given us. And I think it's great to research things, and I think it's great to study things, and I think it's great to have some facts to support things. But at the end of the day, at some point, all of us take a step of faith, right? You asked her to marry you. That was a step of faith, right? <laughs> and you don't know how everything's going to work. I mean, life, we live by faith. I'm just telling you, life in itself has a level of faith to it. Whether you want to think faith factors into life or not, it is the truth. But it's so fascinating that the writer of Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. There's two words in this passage I want us then to sit on for a few moments today. Two words. And they're the first two words in verse one. It says this, one day. That just stopped me in my tracks. One day. One day, Jonathan said, today's going to be different than the day before. You think about this? It took one day. One day, Jonathan decides, you know what? I'm not gonna just sit here like my dad. God's called us to do something. God's told us to go fight against this Philistines because he wants to eradicate the evil that's going on so that he can be glorified. And he says, one day. So here's what I want you to do. I want you in your head, I want you to fill in your name after one day. One day, Mark. One day, Sue. One day, Rob. One day, whatever your name is. I'm going to have some examples here. Maybe one day you decided that you're going to trust God with your future and maybe change careers if he calls you to do it. One day, 
One day you're going to decide, I'm not going to hold on to my finances anymore. I'm going to learn to be generous. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to step out in faith. One day. One day I'm going to decide, I need to get help. I need to get some counseling. I need to quit acting like I have it all together. I need to seek some professional. One day. One day I decided to not live life on my own, but give my life to Jesus. One day. One day I decided I am going to say yes to Alpha. I'm going to do something that I've never done before. I'm going to get in with a group of people and I'm going to learn more about Jesus one day. Church, it just takes one day. One decision. Today could be the day that everything changes. I don't want that to be lost on you. Today could be a defining moment in your life because one day a young man by the name of Jonathan said, I'm no longer going to sit here I'm no longer going to play it safe. Definitely not going to play it safe. I'm no longer going to live in comfort. I'm no longer actually going to be even, frankly, in disobedience. And I'm going to do something about it. Why can't today be that day? June 4th, 2010. Wrong month, wrong day. Let me say that again. <laughs> July 5th, 2010. I got the year right. It was a long time ago. Okay. July 5th, July 5th, 2010. I'm still teaching. It's the summer. I'm working for the church that I was attending. In fact, they had hired me that summer to write curriculum for the teenagers for the upcoming uh, series in the, next, in, the, in the next school year. And I'm writing a series on faith and on the life of Joseph, and it was a four-week series, and I entitled the last week of this series, Living a Life of Faith. That was a simple series title, or a sermon title, but Living a Life of Faith. Now, the background of the story is, for the last six to eight months, the church had been talking to me about the full-time youth position. And I said, no, because I like teaching, and I had just finished some grad school, and I wanted to be a university professor, and I had think I was already teaching adjunct, and I had my goals and my dreams and all this kind of stuff. I had prayed, though. I actually did. I prayed and said, God, okay, if I'm supposed to consider this, because it made no sense. Why would I leave something I loved? Why would I leave something that I had all my education in? Why did, why did I leave something that I was meeting some career goals, and I felt like I, and I think I was, helping make a difference in the lives of kids? Why would I leave that? It made no sense to me. I had been praying. God had been answering prayers, but I kept praying. And on July 5th, 2010, literally as I am writing and typing up this series on faith, God nudges me and he says to me, you need to see the, all the picture before you do something. That's not faith. It's like, I, it's like it's yesterday. Mark, you need to see the entire picture before you'll do something that is not faith. And in that moment, you want to talk about a defining moment, you talk about one day. That's why I said the day. July 5th, 2010, everything changed. I had to, in that moment, I knew what God was saying. I could either choose to stay in education and what I had planned all my career about and be disobedient, or I could answer the call, and this was what was happening to me, answer the call to go into full-time vocational ministry. And I was scared to death because everything ran through my mind because I knew that's what he was saying. I knew in one day, everything was going to change. There was a build up to it. There were steps of faith. There were steps of obedience and all those things. There was prayers that had been going on for six or seven months. But in that day, July 5th, 2010, I had to make a decision. 
Was it going to stay where it was comfortable, where I knew where I wanted to go, where my plan was being well executed, or was I going to go into the zone of the unknown? And I'd like, to, and I did say, I did say yes, obviously, to the position. And I would like to say, well, man, God just just opened up opportunity after opportunity. It was easy. I went from one day feeling like pretty competent and confident in what I did to almost in a day or so, or at least next week or so, when I started that job or month, very incompetent, <laughs> very confused, very lost. But you know what? I've never, for one second, regretted that decision. I believe that was a true turning point in my relationship with Jesus. The Bible actually calls that sanctification, that being set apart. In other words, salvation is Christ's line of faith and realizing you need a savior for your sin. And sanctification is that time when you come to the point and say, I'm all in. I fully surrender. Surrender is not giving up, it's giving over. What does faith look like for you today? Because 13 years later, I'm so glad in that one day, I said yes. It hasn't been easy. <laughs> it hasn't been up and to the right. It's made me more dependent on him. But I've seen him work in ways, and I got to experience things. I look back on and say, man, I would have settled. I would have never got to experience the things. I've never, and more importantly, I've never got to experience Christ like I've been able to experience the last 13 years. What step of faith is he asking you to take? What does it look like? Now, before I say this next part, <laughs> before I say this next part, I need you all to say a phrase with me out loud and loudly. And the phrase I need you to say is that Mark is my friend. You've, some of you have heard this before. Every once in a while, a couple times a year, I pull this out. <laughs> Which means what I say afterwards might ding us a little, okay? So out loud and loudly, and I'll say it with you. On the count of three, one, two, three. Mark is my friend. Here's what I know about human nature because I am one. At least have been for a few years. <clears throat> Some of us are going to have a propensity today to say, well, I'll take that step of faith tomorrow. I'll say yes to Jesus when I have all my questions answered. I still have this one question. Once I get that question answered, then I'll do it. I'll start being generous when I get out of debt. I'll start serving when I have more margin in my life. I'll come to Alpha next year. I, gotta, uh, I don't think the schedule's going to work right now. I'll turn over my future to him when I have a little bit more financial security. Here's why I had to repeat that phrase out loud and loudly. It was for you too. <laughs> because here's what I know. If you don't decide today, you're not going to probably do it tomorrow. If you don't decide today, you're probably not going to do it next week. And at least in my own experience, and I'm talking really for me, I'm projecting on you, I suppose, but when I have that excuse in my head, I'll do that when this is settled. I'll do this when this is figured out. I'll take that step of faith when I do. Guess when I, do, what, guess when I take that step of faith? Never. Because I get comfortable. Because I get complacent. Because I come up with this excuse. And if this excuse worked now, then I'll use this excuse later. I'll go get counseling when I get a little bit worse. I'll get it figured out 
I can fight, I can fight through this on my own. I, I, can, I can overcome this sin on my own. I can, under, I can overcome this hang-up on my own. How's that working out for you? Never works out well for me. Today's the day. This could be your year. And today, specifically, this could be your year that you start living by faith. I don't know how God will respond. I don't know what it will look like, but I know he's good. And I know he always honors acts of obedience. I love what it says here in verse 6 of 1 Samuel 14. <laughs> Jonathan, I, he's just, he's, he, I'm gonna, here's a couple things I learned from Jonathan in a second. But <clears throat> Jonathan says this, perhaps, <laughs> you see that? Saying the same thing I'm seeing? Okay. Perhaps... Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. I love that. That's faith. Perhaps. Nothing can hinder God from saving, whether by many or by few. And they were definitely working with few, not the many. Perhaps. I put in my notes, Jonathan moves forward to face the challenge, not because he knows what God will do, but because he knows what God can do. He doesn't know what God will do. He has no idea. He could take this step of faith and lose his life like that. He has no idea what God was going to do or will do. And I can't tell you what he'll do if you take a step of faith. I can't tell you what he's going to do, but I can tell you what he can do. He can do the impossible. He can provide in ways that you can't imagine. He can open up our opportunities. He can give you courage. He can give you strength. He can fight against. There's, hey, here's the thing. We're, a couple of us are talking about this in prayer this morning. When you consider taking a step of faith, and definitely when you decide to take that step of faith, there will be spiritual opposition. You think Satan wants you to take steps of faith? You think he wants you to be bold? You think he wants you to be courageous? He wants, thinks you want, he, that he wants your marriage to, to grow and develop and be healthy? He thinks you, want, he, you think he wants you to break free of whatever is holding you back and that, any sin in your life or any fear? You think he wants that? Of course not. So I'm just going to tell you straight up, you will face opposition. It could be from other people. It could be from fear. It could be from doubt. It could be, and just take those things. It says, the Bible says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And Christ is the one rooting for you. He's the one saying, you can do it. You can take that step of, this Bible talks about having the faith the size of a mustard seed. You know how small a mustard seed is? It makes my fingernail look really big. <laughs> a mustard seed is the smallest seed on human earth. And he says, if you just have the faith like that, God can do, God can do, God can do, God can do whatever he wants to do. You've heard me say every so often, it's perfectly fascinating with this story, that God doesn't call us to just sit under a pomegranate tree and just pray. <laughs> and when I read this, I laughed because I'm like literally Saul sitting under a pomegranate tree. And actually, Jonathan then takes action. And if you read ahead or read some of the other things I didn't read, Saul, all of a sudden, when everything starts moving, gets hyper-spiritual. He calls in the priests to start seeking God's will. What God's will is be obedient. You don't need really God's approval on that. Be obedient. And then he calls a fast, which was a stupid, brain, you know, stupid idea because they needed energy to fight the battle. In fact, it got so bad that at the end of the story, and you can read it at the end of chapter 14, all the, all the 600 guys or whoever's left pretty much says, Saul, you're nuts. <laughs> they, 
We're not going to obey you because you're not living in what God's calling you to do. God's fighting and has fought on behalf of Jonathan. We're listening to him. What's today look like for you? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know where you need to take a step of faith. But I think some of you do. I do. Now, you might be like Jonathan right now, and you're looking at the Philistine army. And when you look at the Philistine army, what we see, the things I wrote down, the Philistine army equates to things in our lives that are insurmountable, intimidating, overwhelming, vast, and fear-inducing. Got any of those going on in your life? Anything in your life right now that seems so intimidating? There's no way. There's nothing, and there's something in your life that is just so overwhelming. There's no way that this can change. There's no way this circumstance is going to be any different. When we do that, we're saying God's not able. When, we're, when we say that, we're saying the same Holy Spirit that took Jesus and brought him out of the grave, brought death to life, is out of a job, and that's not true. If we are here today and we profess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the grave is available to us and we have to start living by faith. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you're going to need to eventually take a step of faith. You can be like, I need all the questions answered, Mark. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a cerebral person. I gotta, I gotta have logic. I gotta have reason. I gotta have facts. I gotta have science. Great. I am too, actually. <laughs> I'm gonna, I could, I could, we could talk through every question here. I'm not gonna necessarily have every answer probably, but at some point, there's gonna be a question that you don't like the answer to or there's not a super, super, super clear answer you wanted. And guess what comes into play? faith. Every day we get up, we live by faith, right? You have no idea what's going to happen. You think you control everything? I want to control everything. We live by faith. Simple question day as we respond, and we're going to give you a chance to respond. Today's your day. Don't, don't wait till tomorrow because you, you might not do it tomorrow. You probably won't. Don't wait till next week. Quit making excuses. Stop letting fear control you. Stop playing it safe. Stop being comfortable. And trust that God can do what only he can do. The same God who put those Philistines into confusion and defied every statistical odd is the same God who's alive and well today. So we're going to give you a chance to respond. If we could put all those different ways they could respond up there, please. I'm going to light a candle. Step of faith you're going to take today. One day, one day Jonathan stepped out. Maybe it's going to the cross and it's posting, whether you want to be very specific. I'll, I'm, going to, I'm going to be the only one that takes those, by the way. I'm going to take each one that's put on that cross. No one else is going to see them and I'm going to pray for them. You don't have to put your name on there. It doesn't matter to me. You can if you want, but I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray that you have the faith of a mustard seed. I'm going to have the, the faith that, to be obedient. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm putting this on myself too. What's faith look like for me? Maybe it's just going to pray, praying at your seat. Or maybe coming up and receive communion. Maybe you come up and receive communion to celebrate his faithfulness in 2023. And to reaffirm that faithfulness and you're gonna live a life of faith in 2024.
Would you stand with me, please? We're going to pray, and the band's going to come up and lead us back in that song, Great Are You, Lord. I love one of the phrases in that song. It just talks about fixing our eyes on Jesus. So let's close our eyes. Let's pray right now. Father, I pray that today would be the day, that one day, January 7th, 2024 is a defining day, just like July 5th, 2010 was and countless other days I could have used, but that was a defining day. That was a day that I decided I'm all in. The chips are going in. I'm going to follow you. No turning back. No turning back. Maybe for some today, today is the day that they make a decision to follow you for the very first time. For others, it's a day of reaffirming that, you know what, I've let other things, I've let, I've, I've let pride, I've let prestige, I've let honor, I've let the things of this world choke out that relationship. Today, I recommit to follow Jesus. Today's the day. Others of us, we know that God's been challenging us. You've been challenging us with taking steps of faith. Don't kick it down the road. Decide today. Maybe tell someone today before you leave, this is the step of faith I'm going to take. God, I pray that in this space right now, wherever people are watching, that there would be a presence of your spirit that would bring courage and that would bring that dunamis, that dynamite power. And out of that, we would respond in obedience. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.